Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode 70. Okay. Seven oh. Which is crazy because, you know, we started this thing in a pandemic. Like the and first week. The first week, right? <laughs> yeah. The first week. And yeah. so I don't are we still in a pandemic? Like, I'm not sure because in our state, which is a great state of New York, they have declared victory over COVID. Uh, and so I'm like not sure. Am I still living in a pandemic? Well, you and your fair city <laughs> had fireworks this week saying we've overco- overcome it, we've gotten past it, we definitely haven't cured it. No. COVID. No. Very interesting. It's a little, there was no ease in. <laughs> right. Right. Like, I don't know. And I don't, I don't um, read the papers too much. I, I used to buy the paper like every morning. I, I don't because I think everything is like digital now. So I don't actually buy a physical paper anymore. But I saw a physical paper. Right. And it was like a mask. And I think it was like a line through it. And it was like victory. And I was like, wow, really? That's what happened? Oh, such a New York, <laughs> such a New York cover. So dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> So dramatic, but I think it's a lot. I mean, I am uh, easing and slow still, but I think what there's what uh, what do I think? I'm one. I'm curious about the expectation now, right? Like, okay, we had fireworks. We declared that we can rest- all there. There are no more restrictions in the city, right? right? Like, full capacity everywhere. How do you feel about that, Anisha? I think it's interesting because um, on two separate weekends now, I've had two different um, experiences. So last weekend, I went to Atlanta. It was a good friend of mine's um, milestone birthday. He turned 50, so that's a really big deal. So, you know, when I got the invitation, and I got it months ago, right, probably in February, by by April, I needed to say yes or no. I said yes, um, not knowing where I would be, where we would be as a country, a city, a state, everything, right? But I said yes. I am vaccinated. Let me say that. And so I go to Atlanta. Um, I go, I, the, people are still wearing masks, right? So I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Friday, I get there. Saturday is the party. So I see him on Friday and I'm like, hey, so good to see you. You know, he's like, thank you for coming. And so I'm like, let me just ask the question, right? Okay. So, hey, how many people are going to be at the party? And he was like, oh, 174. Like, what? Okay, so in that moment, like, I literally took a breath. Like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that number. Now, I am grateful that it was in a huge ballroom. So I felt safe the next day. But to hear the number, I thought to myself, I probably would have not come. Even though, as much as I love him, as much as it's a milestone birthday, to know that I would have been in a room with 174 people probably would definitely not have sat well with me in April when I had to say yes on like April 1 because I was not vaccinated yet. April Fool's Day. Right. And I still you, did, yeah, the joke was definitely <laughs> on me. Um, my time in Atlanta, talking to people in Atlanta, they were like, oh, yeah, like that's not a, like as if it wasn't a big deal. That's what I'm going to say. Like that didn't seem like a big deal to people. Um, I will say people were still wearing their masks in the hotel. Um, mm-hmm. It was optional. So, okay. So uh, this is another thing. This thing about just blindly trusting people. So like, oh, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear it. <laughs> How do you know if I'm vaccinated? No one's asking me for know. my card. 
You don't know so, if people you know, are vaccinated or not. And there's people who aren't vaccinated who never wore a mask anyway. So uh, we just have to- The honor system. The honor <laughs> system. It's a lot. I, I think that it's a lot for the your mind to like tolerate and like figure out and process and like synapses are flying. Like, what do I do and how do I do it? And how much, how much do I want to take in and how much, I mean, I, I went to a wedding recently that there were, I don't know how many people were there, but it was, it was busy mm-hmm. and it felt like a lot, like, because we also haven't been around crowds like that yeah, at all. So, um, and I'll probably go out for dinner this weekend. It'll be in full capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, will I sit outside? Right. I so- don't know. You initially said expectation, right? And so with that, is that the expectation to communicate to other people what you need Mm -hmm. and where you are with this, right? So if you're going to have an event, I think people need to be ready for questions. Like you, you, you can't get frustrated with me. Like, don't get irritated. No, allow me to ask all the questions that I need to feel safe and be understanding of it. I think that that's really what I want to get out to like, in this conversation is that we have to be ready with questions. Cause if I'm not ready to be around 174 people, then I should ask how many people are going to be here. And then the person who's throwing the event should be able to tell me, are you asking people to wear masks? Are you asking people to be vaccinated? Are you asking them not to be like, what are you doing to ensure maybe my safety? And if you're not ensuring my safety, then I have to ensure my safety, but doesn't right. mean I love you any less that I can't make it. That's a, that is very well put. And it really is making sure that you, are taking care of yourself by asking. I think that that's yes. really important. Um, you are very good at that. So it's actually, but you are, you're very good at asking the question. Like I might not have asked the question of how many people, like I didn't ask the question of how many people would be at a wedding. I just assumed it would be like, <laughs> you know, somewhere between 150 and 200. And then, but we talked about what, like how we felt about it and yeah. what that would feel like. And it was here, here in the Jers. And so we had, fewer restrictions than New York City at the time. So, and then it was the comfort level. And then also too, I think, uh, speaking of like big events, like get, we're taking so much stimulus and you also want to be able to acknowledge that you don't have to stay the whole time. Right. You mm-hmm. know, this doesn't have to be, I'm going to be the last one out and watch like, <laughs> like wait for the lights to go on, like that right. kind of thing. I don't have to be the last one on the dance floor. Um, because you, I mean, it's a <laughs> You got to like rebuild that muscle, the social muscle. It's a real thing, right? I have to say I have it. It really hasn't went anywhere for me, but that's just me. That's not everyone's reality. And I'm understanding that. Right. And I'm asking people more about what they need and how they probably have more energy. I do. I'm like a a kid in a candy store. It's bad. Well, this is (laughs) jumping off the walls over here. Well, I think like, but being able to be around like extroverts are now back out and around people and like you you pull off people's energy, which is really nice. Like you like that. Oh, I like, was on the dance floor all night. Of course like, you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, so I was, you were not the one not waiting, like uh, going to dip out early. No. You're like, oh my God, I've been waiting for 15 months for this. Yeah. <laughs> woo woo. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Taking my shoes off. I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Can we keep going? When's brunch tomorrow? Where are we going to go? Can we have more? Can we just have more? Yeah. Right. That was not me. I had had just enough. <laughs> I had had just enough. And I, I'm not an introvert, but I'm maybe I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. I don't know. Or maybe I, I just feel my age on that dance floor. It was like, yeah, hell no. I'm out. Um, but it was, it was good. I, but I have noticed that because I'm doing more outside of the house, which I'm happy about, mm-hmm. um, I do have a little bit more energy running around and doing those things, but I'm more tired. Yes. Yeah. Because we're working harder, right? Like there was no commute, right? Like if you're going out now, you're commuting. And I've been like out and about, doctor's appointments here, there. And, you know, I feel a little out of it at the end of the day. But I am also grateful to just see people and be around people, even if I'm not talking to all of them, right? Like, it's just to see that we are out living our lives again makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that this has really impacted a lot of people negatively, being alone and feeling lonely. Yeah, no, Um, I have uh, four people, five people coming in to see me next week. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Not including you. (laughs) I have you too. Yes, I'll be be seeing you on Wednesday. Um, 
I love it. I, I'm asking my clients to see, are they ready to come back? I have one guy on board right now. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. Everyone else is like, mm. I have a couple who are like, yeah, that's great. I can't, like, I want out. And I find that it's like more, more people who have been more isolated or like ready to reconnect in a different way. So I'm excited, I'm excited to be able to offer them that opportunity. And also like, I'm looking at my own, the bandwidth of what I have now for, mm -hmm. and the way I want to set up my life is different. Like there are, there are some benefits, like things that we didn't think about as far as commuting and like going into the office or working from home, like the benefits to working from home and not commuting every day are definitely there as far as like being able to take care of yourself and nourish yourself in a new way, which is our segue. I did it. Good job, Diana. I, I yes. see you over there segueing. <laughs> yes. It was seamless, just so you know. Seamless. Seamless. Yeah, so we got some guests today, and Anisha's going to tell you who they are, and you'll see why it's a seamless transition. Yes. <laughs> so actually, we have two guests. They are a duo. Um, That's right. So we have Jennifer Cadella. She is an Ayurveda health counselor, yoga teacher, and writer. Um, she has been living a plant-based life since 2008. And her partner, Abby Rodriguez, she is a certified holistic nutritionist, herbalist, and food content creator. And they wrote a book, an amazing book, actually. Not just the recipes in the book is amazing, but it's so visually appealing. Let's just, just say, I want to say that. So the name of the book is Root and Nourish. So um, Diana, <laughs> do your thing, your sit back, give it to them. And we're going to um, introduce them to our guests. Grab your tea and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of BeWell Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, -E to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hello. Welcome back to Be Real. It's me, Diana, with my amazing co-host. Where is she? Anisha is present. She's in the building. The building would be her apartment. I am here. I am ready to go on a sunny Friday. I'm not sure when you guys are listening, but for us today, it's a sunny Friday. Okay, we will get to the behind the scenes later, but she came in hot this morning, y'all. She is ready, ready to go. So we're just going to jump right into the episode. So I'm super excited that we have two wonderful women with us today who have written a beautiful, beautiful I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it a cookbook, but they're going to redefine it when they get, uh, once I introduce them, Jennifer Cordilla and Abby Rodriguez are here and they are the co-authors of Root and Nourish. So if whoever wants to jump in and start and tell us who you are. Lovely to be with both of you today. And um, I'm one half of the Root and Nourish team. And um, I'm an Ayurvedic health counselor, a yoga teacher, and a writer. Um, I actually started my work in publishing, but we'll get into that um, probably a little bit later. Um, and I'm here in Brooklyn. Um, so loving the summer weather and just really excited to, to talk about the book today. And hello, I'm Abby. It's so great to be here. I'm the other half of Root and Nourish. I have a food blog called the butter half so we could say i'm the butter half of root and nourish you know i like it <laughs> oh my god yay! um bringing back the puns i know right which is you know kind of where our relationship started jennifer which is a fun meet cute we can share but i'm a holistic nutritionist and a herbalist so 
I bring that Western herbalism perspective to the book and to the education that I offer. So I'm really happy to be here. I wanted to start here because I think that a lot of listeners would be really interested. Um, I know, Jennifer, you started to be plant-based since like 2008. Can you talk a little bit about like what's that like? Like what is your experience being, you know, just kind of eating plant-based? Yeah, so I started um, my vegetarian life. Um, I'm now vegan, but I became vegetarian shortly after I graduated college somewhere sort of in the, I guess I was still in college. I came to this philosophy actually from more of the environmental side. Um, I had taken an environmental science course when I was in high school and was just blown away by all of the lies I felt like I had been told about the way the world works. And I was, I felt like I had to do something about it, even though um, most people I knew said, you know, what you do as an individual won't really make a difference. Um, so why bother? And I was, I just did not really believe in that. Um, so I started out as a vegetarian um, and I was very, um, very cognizant always of like the sources of my food. Um, so living in New York at the time, um, it was sort of, you know, it's, it's urban here. It's not like we have farms, but I did try to, you know, shop at farmer's markets and get really nice produce. And I was lucky because I did um, a good amount of sort of education about um, vegetarianism and was, I sort of had a facility for improvisation in the kitchen, um, which I partly learned from my mom, but I think it was just part of my creativeness, which I was able to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that some new plant-based folks um, fall into of, you know, just eating pasta or bread or Oreos and feeling really awful <laughs> about themselves. And it's um, not uh, not really a sustainable way to be healthy or to feel nourished. And um, I, you know, I dabbled in other extremes where I would eat mostly vegetables all the time, but um, I eventually, you know, learned to incorporate a good mix of legumes and grains and plant-based proteins. I sort of experimented with all of the different kinds and now have my favorites, but my, my transition from vegetarianism to veganism, actually, I used this book that um, I'm not even sure if it's sort of in the conversation anymore. It was called VB6, um, Vegan Before Six. And so I, you know, you would eat plant-based entirely um, most of the day, and then you would have one meal where you just would go crazy was the idea. Um, but eventually I just thought, I realized that I was saving all of the the things which were not vegan, which at the time was just really... Um, Greek yogurt and cheese, um, I would like save it for the end of the day, even if I didn't really want it. It was just like, oh, well, now is my time that I can have these things. And I eventually just thought I, I don't really need these. And I tried some of the substitutes um, at the time, the selection for plant-based yogurts and cheeses were pretty slim, even though it was not that long ago, but it was still pretty slim. Um, so I said, I don't really need the substitutes either. So I didn't really even try to, to make up for those things. Instead, I just enjoyed plant foods as they were, um, which is really at the core of our philosophy in Root and Nourish that plant-based foods are delicious on their own. And many people who have not tried or are afraid of a plant-based diet or incorporating more plants into their life, it can sort of feel um, like, well, what else is there going to be? But when you think about what most people eat, you know, most people eat vegetables and fruits, and they have some exposure to these plant-based foods, but they might not think of it as a plant-based food, um, even though it is a plant. And so when you sort of strip it down to that, those bare facts of like, well, you eat vegetables, you eat fruits, you eat grains, you eat bread, you eat fats and oils and nuts and all of these things that are essentially plant-based, um, there are very few things actually that are not plant-based in our diet. Um, it just sort of is the core of our Western culture. And so that's how I've been able to uh, make veganism work for me. And through Ayurveda, I learned a lot more uh, nuance to how the energetics of food and the tastes of food can support me even more specifically based on my constitution. And another myth that is sort of popular as well is that Ayurveda is uh, vegetarian or vegan or you know promotes plant-based eating. And while it does in general support um, a more vegetarian heavy diet, it's absolutely not um, exclusively vegetarian or vegan. And so depending on who you are and what you need and your specific set of imbalances or conditions or state of balance, um, your constitution, your level state, you might actually 
need meat um, or dairy. Um, they might be beneficial to you for some for different reasons. And so even though I've remained plant-based, I still, um, I have that little bit of a wider lens in terms of how I work with people when talking about food to allow really forgiveness for a more compassionate way of eating. Um, we don't have to be so strict with ourselves. And if we think of food as medicine and food as something that we're connecting with through the earth and through our natural resources, uh, there's a lot less uh, sort of uh, chatter in the mind about what we're eating, a lot less guilt involved. Oh, there's so many things and nibbles in there that I want to just go right on into. I love it. What a, I eat everything now, but I've, I've been all, all of it, all over the, in where I am in my lifespan right now. I eat a lot of meat, but I love this journey. I want to unpack Ayurveda a little bit, but I want to hear about Abby's Road. Oh, I did it. Abby Road. I did it. I didn't mean to do it. Abby's Road. <laughs> okay. Not to keep on the theme of I'm me sorry. with my blogs, but that really was my first blog name, you know, the longest. <laughs> look at so, this. Look at this. This is also Kismet. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I saw it come in out of my mouth and I couldn't stop it. My journey into wellness and plant-based eating is a little different from Jennifer's in that my approach hasn't always been this vegan plant-based tradition. Like you, Diana, I have experimented with all of them and follow more of an intuitive eating process and a holistic nutrition approach, which is generally around 85% plant-based, 15% high quality animal products. I particularly have celiac disease, so I come at this from a gluten-free perspective because the cookbook is gluten-free and plant-based. And so for me, my journey into wellness uh, was created around that because I found out I had celiac disease in 2017 and I had to make a complete shift with my diet. And long story short, I was able to heal a lot of my issues with, with food. And I think that is at the core of what we teach is that food can be medicine and plants are a powerful ally. Through, through that process, Jennifer and I were able to connect and we have a lot of overlapping interests in, in our food and how we prepare it. And as I was on my food blog creating recipes, I developed an affinity for recipe creation and food photography. And you know, being able to play with my food was a really exciting opportunity and being able to be creative and figure out ways to make food delicious, even though we're, we're taking out the gluten and some of the animal products and really just focusing in on that plant-based gluten-free aspect. How did you two meet? So this is a really fun story um, that I hope goes down in history. Um, so I was a young, bright-eyed editor at a large publishing house in New York and looking for projects. And I stumbled across Abby's website, um, The Better Half. And it was partly, you know, for my own research because I was, as, as I just explained, looking for fun um, recipes all the time and discovered that she had such a, a playful and colorful set of foods that were really geared towards um, towards young families. So foods that were great for kids, but also adult friendly as well, um, making use of, of healthy ingredients, um, but in a way that was appealing to to younger folks and also to older folks, to, to adults too, who don't necessarily just want to eat you know, broccoli all the time. So I was really excited about her work and connected with her. And at the time, you know, I, I really wanted her to write a book that I could acquire and publish. Um, but at the time, you know, she was still sort of building the blog and um, writing a book, as we have learned, is a, is a large undertaking. And so uh, we just sort of stayed in touch and had it on you know, the back burner of our conversations. And meanwhile, Abby um, started an incredible uh, food blogger, food content creator um, conference called Tastemaker, which she can talk more about. But I was one of the guests at Tastemaker. And we sort of, you know, kept in touch about that. Um, I presented about how to turn your blog into a book. Um, I had at the time transitioned from working at um, more of like a traditional um, literary publishing house into a more, a, a smaller house where I was working exclusively on cookbooks. And so I had a little bit more in to acquiring cookbooks um, at the time. So I was working with that. And then eventually I left that position and connected with Abby and was like, hey, you know, I'm leaving my job, but I do still think you should write a cookbook. And I would love to help you if you ever decide, you know, I'm, I'm happy to sort of work with you on a proposal or, you know, get the wheels in motion. But at the time, 
time, Abby had also, as she described, really shifted her attention into more of the holistic cooking space and the holistic wellness space. She was working a lot with essential oils and herbs and getting her herbalism degree. And so in our conversations, just, you know, average friendly conversations, we were talking all about the magic of herbs and how incredible they are and, you know, using these beautiful recipes. And so it became very clear that we should just, you know, work on a book together. And that's how we decided to write Root and Nourish. And we, um, it was actually a very seamless transition in terms of coming up with the structure of the book and the content. And so um, all of that was just uh, more, more proof that, you know, this was a sort of project that was, was meant to be and that, you know, I didn't, it wasn't in the cards for, you know, me to be the editor and her to be the author, but to have this really deep collaboration at the core. Are you guys working on other things together or is it just mainly the book? Because I know that you have Be Nourished. Is that something that the two of you do together or is mainly just the book that you guys yes. collaborated with? So Be Nourished is my blog um, that I started um, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago as well. So I do my own recipes on there and writing about Ayurveda and other wellness, mindfulness um, topics, um, similar to how Abby has the better half. Um, but we are collaborating right now and sort of in the works um, since the book um, just recently came out in terms of developing education around uh, this combination of herbalism and Ayurveda, holistic wellness and, and cooking in general. So we have a few things that are happening now, but also a lot of things uh, hopefully for the future that you know once we open back up a little bit more um, and have more access to in-person events and other things that you know this this time has really I think opened up the possibility for ways that people can learn and gather and have community. Um, so we're sort of exploring things in terms of how we can bring the lessons of root and nourish into um, to people in different ways. So I have the book in front of me. I got it. I didn't get it in time to really dig into it before today. But as I'm going page by page and how brilliant and beautiful this book is, I want to talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea to wrap Ayurveda in here. Because I love that idea so much because I personally, there's an Ayurvedic influence in my day, every day, like around my dosha, the time I wake up, the time, how I eat, what my energy level, like I'm always looking to balance out my doshas. And if you guys could talk about what the doshas are as I'm just throwing them out there and how, but like, this is so good. <laughs> I really I'm, wish that so like, <laughs> we were gonna be, like somebody could see me hugging it. I mean, this is She's such hugging it. She's literally such hugging. a delicious book. And like, I have purchased many books, many cookbooks, plant, and I, I do a lot of plant-based cooking, but like the way that this is laid out and the information that is given in this book is so generous and so loving and also I mean, part two here, mental health, you know, it's got my name all over it. I can't, mm -hmm. I just can't wait. How you came to this decision and how, uh, how it works together. The book is not really intensely focused on Ayurveda. Um, and I'll, I'll let Abby sort of segue into this because Ayurveda is sort of woven in a little bit yeah. more subtly. Um, but the focus is really on uh, the Western herbalist uh, sort of paradigm and language for working with herbs. And so Abby is the expert on that. And the two systems are not mutually exclusive, of course, as, as you'll see in the book and as we'll, we'll talk about. But it really is sort of geared towards offering the the paradigm of Western herbalism. So Abby, why don't you, why don't you approach that and explain a little bit about that decision? As Jennifer mentioned in our, our meat cute, as I like to call it, in the creation of Root and Nourish, we realized that this partnership made a lot of sense and that we both had these skill sets to make this book. And so seeing you actually hug the book is how we have felt about it. And we want everybody to experience that. And so Jennifer became an Ayurvedic practitioner and did her studies with that and throughout the creation of the book and with my Western herbalism traditions and, and expertise and education that I was able to complete. And so we really wanted to create that because as she said, they're not mutually exclusive. There is a lot of overlap and we did a lot of research and trying to understand, are there books out there that offer this par perspective, this paradigm? And no, there wasn't anything. So there was a lot of preliminary research that went into this decision. And it honestly just happened naturally. And I think a lot of times when something is, is meant to be, it can just fall together. And sure, there were some stumbling blocks and whatnot. But the information is we were compiling it and deciding the categories of digestion, mental health, female reproductive hormonal health was 
really obvious that there was a beautiful synchronicity between the two. And so the way it's laid out is from the Western paradigm, as Jennifer said, but complementing it with Ayurveda in those little spots. So within the book, you see rooted living, there's little spotlight boxes about Ayurvedic practices, as well as definitions of Western herbs. And there's a lot of overlap too, in terms of the herbs that people use between Ayurveda and traditional herbalism. So that was, was the culmination of all those things coming together. I'm going to use this word because I can't think of another one and it's probably being induced because we're talking about food, but this uh, makes everything really digestible. I, I couldn't think of another word. Um, <laughs> just, but there is like, if you don't really have information about herbs or you don't have information about Ayurveda, this is just, it's the right amount of information and the right just, I mean, I'm so blown away by it. It's so great. And um, also I was looking at the summer eating and I was just eating some plant-based yogurt myself this morning. <sighs> I feel like I'm right on the money here. Anisha, you have a question? Oh, no, I was going to say you were ready for today, huh? Like you didn't even realize that you were planning for today. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was the decision to, I mean, I love the decision to focus on women's wellness, but what, how did that decision come into play? Because we do all eat. Part of our planning discussions were thinking about, you know, who do we want to reach and also who have we worked with and thinking about these particular um, concerns that we saw over and over again, primarily digestive concerns, but also in talking with our friends and family, there were just a lot of women who had this sort of trifecta or like clusters of symptoms or conditions that were all really, um, really connected from our perspective. But when uh, when they, or even us individually, you know, our personal experiences were woven into this as well. But there's always these sort of silos in Western medicine of like, oh, you go to the GI doctor, then you go to the gynecologist, then you go to the psychiatrist and like, all, they don't talk to each other. Um, and then you have to sort of do the work of figuring out, you know, what is this person telling me? What is that person telling me? What are the medications I'm being given? How are they interacting? Um, whereas when you actually boil down to it, there's a, a deep uh, connection within our own bodies of all of these systems. And so we decided to focus on women's wellness um, for the fact that um, a lot of these conditions show up a lot more in women. Um, there's a lot more prevalence in them when you look at the data and whether that's because there's more like reporting and, and women going to the doctor actually for these conditions versus them actually having it is sort of a little unknown, but that's the information that we have. But also um, we wanted to dial into this idea of the feminine energy and the divine feminine um, that is sorely uh, taken for granted and taken advantage of in our society. In describing how we can use food for nourishment and other self-care for nourishment, we're not only speaking to women or people who identify as women, but for all people who might be sort of at the more masculine end of the spectrum, where it's like, I'm too active, too um, rajasic, to use an Ayurvedic term, a sort of aggressive, uh, ambitious, driven, um, sort of awake, alert state, um, which I think a lot of us can identify with, um, that is having a real effect on our bodies. And so I think the pandemic was an interesting time for a lot of us to confront that. But we are hoping that through our book and through all of our sort of new found experiences, we can understand how these more feminine cooling, grounding, supporting, building properties of food um, are really essential to our collective wellness as well as, as to our individual wellness. If we don't embrace slowing down and uh, spending time with our, our bodies and taking care of our health and enjoying our food and being mindful about our meals, um, being mindful about the other ways that we can eat food through our senses, through our experiences, we're not going to be able to sort of have the resilience that we need for whatever is ahead for us, um, whatever shiny brand new society is being unlocked um, as we speak, um, cooked up somewhere in some crazy kitchen. Um, but we need that really in order to be as active and as satisfied and happy as we all want to be, especially on the other side of um, this pandemic. Again, there's so much in there and I loved it. And I do, I was identifying as like the overdriven sort of like, and what it was like to slow down and to rest, to have a new way to look at my food and how I was eating because we were cooking our own meals. And then all of a sudden I flashed to like, we've just opened up again 
ish. And last night I had dinner standing over the kitchen sink. So I was like, all right. Um, but thank you so much. That was a beautiful way to put all of that. And we're going to take this opportunity to take a quick break and then we're going to be right back. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Um, yeah, I was eating a cauliflower pizza over the kitchen sink and I was like, oh yeah, no, didn't, didn't take in any of it. Just ate my cauliflower pizza. <laughs> There's one in the book. It's delicious. You need to make it. Oh, oh, there's so many. I things. fell in love with cauliflower. I don't know how I did it, but like cauliflower, everything, rice, all of it. I love it. I mean, isn't it amazing how versatile food. it is? I'm always blown away that you can do that many things with cauliflower. Yes. And I think this is such an interesting time because of the pandemic. People are rethinking, how do I want to live my life, right? Like, yeah. do I want to continue doing the things that I've been doing or do I want to do something very new and very different? And I think that when you look at this cookbook, you can make some real decisions around like, okay, maybe I can't completely change everything, but there is some things in this that resonate with me that I can use. And let me try yes. something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. My brother and his wife went plant-based um, probably about over a year now. My brother's probably lost like 40 pounds. Um, he bikes every day. He's, he's like in his early fifties and he couldn't be happier. Mm -hmm. And it feels like when people are restricted, it makes them sad in some way. It feels like it's a barrier for them, but he doesn't, it doesn't seem like that. Like we're all eating meat and all the other stuff that we're eating. And he's like, Oh no, I have my meal. Like he's ready. Yeah. I think it's a, the other point part of this is you have to be prepared. If yeah. you're going to have this different diet, you always have to kind of be prepared. But I think I'm definitely going to get the book for him. I think it'll be very helpful for him. I wonder if you can just well, go downstairs you could and just find one. <laughs> pull one out of your box. I mean, you know, you, I do have it in my hallway. <laughs> did you, were you, um, did you take the photographs? I did. Book? Yeah. So Jennifer did. and I styled half of them together and I did the photography and editing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope all of our listeners, when they buy this book, really like it matters what it, it looks like. Like it, it really does. It's, it's really beautiful. The colors and I, is beautiful. I will say I have to give Abby a lot of credit because, um, as I like to say, Ayurvedic food is often uh, brown and mushy. And um, <laughs> yes, and and as I was thinking, uh, she was like, "We have to make it look pretty," and I was like, "But that's not how you eat it." And she was it's a food like, stylist's well, worst it nightmare is yeah. Ayurvedic food. <laughs> She was like, just give it to me and I'll make it look good. And I was like, okay. it jumps off the page at you. I think that is yeah. so important because when I look at it, I want to make it like I'm excited yeah. to make it. And, yeah. you know, it's not always like that before. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, I felt very excited. Like, OK, I really want to do this tonight kind of thing. Yeah. So at I think the same other time, feel the, the, same. The, the foods themselves, you know, we didn't do anything to the food. Like on the cover, those like watermelon radishes, like they're that's just how they are in nature. <laughs> like we didn't have to like color them with mm -hmm. dye or like Photoshop them. So the food in and of itself is beautiful when you work it, when you work with it and when you see it and when you get it fresh and it's like, that is something that I think people overlook um, when they're thinking about plants. It's like, oh, you just think of a salad or, and if you don't actually use your other senses when you're eating, whether it's sight or smell or, uh, you know, texture, um, it's, you're missing out on the full experience. And that's really at the core of, you know, an Ayurvedic perspective on, on eating um, that you're using all of your senses. And so it's worth paying attention to your food because you're getting a lot more than just, uh, than just calories. Yeah. 
So back to the beauty of your book. I did a kitchery cleanse a couple years ago. I did it. It's terrible. (laughs) I did it wrong, but which I was, I found out later because I was like given half the information. So I did like the whole 11 days or something very, very wrong. It was terrible. And I was never going to eat kitchery again. Now I just want everybody to know that if anything that I had made in my kitchen had looked like this, <laughs> I most I definitely and I consider myself good in the kitchen. I made a mess out of it, but this looks beautiful. And also, as I'm looking at the recipe, is way more delicious than what I was eating. <laughs> way way more delicious. And I know the properties of it, and I know that it's good for me. And I was like, no. I hear people say it. I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. But I'm bookmarking it. We are going to have kitchery here. (laughs) Um, And I'm really excited. Now, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I know we had talked about this just a little bit. I'm going to make a quick little foreshadowing of a program that we are creating at Be Well, because with the combination of everything that's going on in the world, and we are psychotherapists, and we're very much about what's going on in your mind and looking at how the mind affects the body, which is something that is very important to me. We are actually creating an embodied practices program that will launch in the fall, and uh, which we will we will be telling our listeners about nibbles a bit all summer long. And this is a book that I, I can't believe it has fallen into my lap talking about like how things the kismet of things coming together because it is exactly the complement that we are looking for so that we can then have resources for our patients who need just a little bit like direction on where to go. Because as Jennifer was saying, it's true. Like you have 300 people that you have to talk to in order to get back to yourself. And like, if you are paying attention to what you're eating, how you're eating, nourishing yourself, not just through food, but through all of your senses, how your life really shifts and what that looks like. So I am, I mean, I, I'm listening to the collaboration going on, clanking in my brain and can't wait for all the workshops and the wonderful things that we can do together. It's so great. Nisha, where do you see this cookbook showing up in your work? I think it's with my clients who are in transition, right? Just trying to figure out what's going to work for them right now in all parts of their lives, right? I think people are deciding, okay, is, does this job work for me? Does this career work for me? Does this friend work for me? Like, um, my, what are my eating habits? Like, I think eating habits have been a really big thing that's been talked about in session as of late. For a lot of us who've been working from home, um, we're closer to our refrigerators than we've ever have been for all day long. And just figuring out, like, the foods that I'm eating, how are they making me feel? Like, how are they impacting me both physically and mentally? And I think that we're starting to look at that in a way that we didn't before. I think people were just like, okay, I'm hungry. Let me feed myself. But it's so much more thought. Um, and uh, I think eating is so more just nuanced now, like the way that we view it, that people can say this could be an option for me. Because I think that at one point when we thought about what was good for us, didn't always taste good. And I think that we've learned that that is no longer true. Absolutely. And I will tie back to just something that um, Diana, you mentioned earlier about the, the Ayurvedic perspective, because we actually don't even, I think, use the word dosha in the book. Um, and dosha, for, for anyone who doesn't know, is um, a, a word in Ayurveda used to describe one's constitution or imbalance. And so it's well, sort of it's common. I'm looking for it. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's even in the index. So you could check the index. Um, but we were really deliberate about trying to make the book as simple and um sort of streamlined and accessible as possible with regards to these more technical things, because it can be super overwhelming when you're studying um, herbalism or Ayurveda. And so what it really boils down to, um, and even this is how, you know, I work with clients uh, before we even get into sort of like bigger concepts of what might be going on with them. It really comes down to qualities, just like you were saying of, you know, how does this actually make me feel in a very simple way? Like, does this make me hot? or cold? Does this, you know, make me feel uh, dry? Like, does this dry out my body? Or do I feel hydrated after I have this? Um, And so thinking about it in those very simple ways, you don't need to have a lot of fancy language to describe it. You know, we have a lot of words that we use in Ayurveda to describe these things. There's a whole list of herbal actions that you can read about in the book to describe these things. And you could be very technical about it, but you could also be very sort of intuitive and like, does this feel good or not feel good? And you know, you, you described it as like a thought process that goes into it. And a lot of people um, 
I even had myself a sort of reaction. It's like, oh, well, I have not think about this. And it just feels like overwhelming. You know, why can't I just have a formula where I know that uh, my kale salad and my smoothie and my, you know, bullet coffee, like all of those things are like good for me. It's, it's just not that simple, unfortunately. And we all are so unique and have such different, uh, the, the qualities of our own body has changed so much with the seasons, with our age, um, with where we live, that um, it's actually a quite, it's a, it's a blessing and an opportunity for us to be able to evaluate where we are every single day and every season and every time of our life to make these choices about what we eat and what we do as well. So it's not just food, but our exercise, our activity, our work, like you were saying, our relationships, all of those things affect how we feel in our bodies. And so when we approach those decisions with that sense of curiosity and opportunity rather than restriction that oh gosh, like I get to experience all of these different kinds of foods. Um, one example that I turn to often is that I really love blueberries. And so I used to, you know, pay like $6 for a pint of blueberries in the winter just because I loved them. And I thought I had to have them all the time because blueberries are super healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I, um, learned a little bit more about, you know, seasonal eating, um, which is a key component to our book. Um, you don't have to be so, um, so afraid, I guess, of not getting access to those things. It's like, I can have blueberries in the summer when they're in season and have as many blueberries as I want. And they won't cost me $6 a pint, and it'll be great. And then that's over. And then I get to enjoy, you know, uh, squash in the wintertime and sweet potatoes. And I have all the sweet potatoes I want in the winter. And that's great. And then sweet potatoes are done and you go on to the next thing. And so you get a full, if you expand your view of like how you're engaging with food over the course of a year, uh, rather than over the course of a day or a week or a month, then the opportunities become much bigger. And also, I just want to add to your point, Anisha, when you were saying how a lot of people have been focusing on food. In our society, I think we all know food has a lot of fear and anxiety around it. As we've been having this conversation, three main points have stood out to me that really this book and our work and our approach advocates for you know returning to our body, grounding ourselves there, get rid of our trauma that way, really positioning ourselves to step into our power for choice, right? We always have choices and this book advocates for that as well and to step in our into our intuition as well. And I think those three things really, when we are communicating those messages within the book, those three things can have a huge impact on our wellness and well-being. Yeah, oh, so many. <laughs> I get, oh, I get so excited. So many. I was thinking when, uh, Jennifer, you were talking in about the seasonal eating and what that was like and remembering the transition because we have access to food, all the food all the time. And what that was like when I made a conscious decision to eat seasonally. And when I'm looking at vegetables and looking at like what's on the plate or what I'm buying, or I'm at the farmer's market, or even if it's winter and there isn't a farm, we don't have a farmer's market in our town in our little Hamlet over here across the river in the dead of winter. So like when I'm choosing my foods and what it looks like and remembering now, like as I'm buying things that this is an in season and I'm not, even though it's available to me, I'm not going to have this and how that has affected what I cook, how I feel. I also was looking at the book while you were both talking. And I do like that you focus on digestion because I don't think we talk about it enough. Like there's a big focus on like, yes, we eat and we talk about the food, the taste of it and how good it is and how delicious it is, but really like what, how it's nourishing us is internal. It's such a metaphor of like what we take in and then we, we have to get rid of what we don't need. Like, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love this book. One of the, the ideas we have in the book is that sort of reframing this idea that you are what you eat into you are what you digest, because you could eat a lot of things like you could eat all the kale in the world. And if you don't digest it, you're not getting any of the nutrition from that kale. Um, in fact, it might be causing you a lot of pain as it yeah. had, has to me many times. <laughs> so, um, so thinking about, you know, what are you actually digesting? 
um, and not just food, but all of these other things, you know, how are you digesting the conversation that you had um, mm -hmm. with your, uh, with your partner or with your coworker? Um, and then thinking about how that actually affects your appetite and your hunger. There's some pretty clear signals that your body gives you if we just take the time to listen. And it doesn't take that much effort to listen to your body signals. It usually sends them loud and clear. So working with this whole system rather than trying to, even within ourselves, parcel out like, this is my mind and this is what my mind wants to do. And this is what my ego wants to do. And my, um, my heart wants to do um, rather than, oh, what my, my, oh, lazy body over there wants to do. Um, we're all, we're all together here, the same team. So well put. That was amazing. And whose language is herbal actions? Cause I love it. <laughs> um, actions. It's really, I so progress, like it gives you the sense, like there's an action with the herbs. And also I don't, I mean, personally, I don't know a lot about the herbs, so I'm excited to dig in and like, look, I went right for anti-inflammatory, which is my biggest issue. Um, and like looking at, looking to see what will bring some of the inflammation in my body down. So I'm really excited and I love all the information that, and there's a lot, there's a lot of information about the herbs in here. Yeah, and those herbal actions specifically talk about the effects on our body. And I think that's a good opportunity again, to listen to that intuition of what is my body telling me? Because plants have an energetic level uh, to them that we can use and tap into. And I think for me, herbalism is very much a spiritual component, and we advocate for the pillars of health, which include, you know, food, nutrition, movement, sleep, connection, spirituality. All of these things are so important, and the actions are a scientific way, though, that we can make sense of that. And and like you said, like, hey, you know, I'm feeling inflamed, and as, as in Jennifer's language was rajavistic. How do you say? Logistic. Rajasic, <laughs> there we go. So I'm not the Ayurveda guru here. Rajasic, <laughs> right? When you're feeling that way, though, which I think is a great way of putting it, it's like, hey, I can turn to these herbs and I have a list here that I can see. And I think that's just a really great first step in understanding how plants can be our ally. Do you guys have any other like wellness offerings that you want to tell our listeners about before we um, wrap up today? Well, through June, um, so this might be sort of post um, post airtime, but we are offering a four week um, herbal mastermind course um, Ooh, like that, that is going through this um, through the topics of the book, um, and it will be available um, for. Uh, we're pretty sure it will be available after the live sessions, and so that you know, that might be a resource down the line. Um, but right now we are offering a lot of uh, sort of free education and content through our Instagram on Root and Nourish Book um, is the handle and through our newsletter, which you can sign up for the newsletter on our Instagram page. And so we have a bunch of things in the works that where we'll be uh, rolling that out. But um, those are the primary ways where you can be in touch with us and our offerings as they're developing. And we'll definitely make sure that they're in the show notes. Um, I think it's really important. This is some really cool stuff. Um, I'll definitely be signing up. Diana always jokes with me. Okay, every, every time. She's like, I'm But it's important up. for me to support the guests that we have it's on, true. especially if I feel like it's going to enrich my life. And yeah. so I think that this can enrich my life. Um, I definitely have all types of issues with digestion and food and figuring out what works best for me. So um, I am open to thinking about something different than the ways in which I've been eating. I'm excited to um, dig into this book. Well, we hope you love it. Thank you. Well, ladies, this, I mean, I don't know. Have I told you how much I love your book? Have I mentioned it? <laughs> you should, if you I should have, hug it one more time. <laughs> hug it one more time. Oh, yeah. I haven't mentioned it. I'm in love with this book. I mean, the first, I had it on the dining, at the coffee table. And uh, <laughs> my partner was like, oh, good. There's tacos. <laughs> I was like, yeah, babe. Yes. Yeah, that was smart to put that on the cover. Everybody uh -huh. loves a taco. Like, there you go. All right. All right. Everybody. Like, to to our editor for convincing <laughs> us of this. He, um, Thank you. He was super excited. So uh, there's, we, there's a lot of talk about digestion over here. He's going to be really excited about the book. <laughs> um, all right. So this is the part of our show where we get to the last hurrah. We got some questions for you ladies that don't have to do with herbs or what yes. to eat. Yes. So they're always pretty fun. One of my favorite questions is like, what's your favorite like 90s jam? But I wanted to kind of, eh, I don't want to talk about the 90s. What is this song? <laughs> when you decide to do karaoke, what is this song that you always choose? You're like, this is my jam. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to kill it. What song is it, Abby? 
Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. So I we go. Like it does go into the 90s. So Okay, okay. <laughs> Without even a question, hand right up. You already She's do. like, I'm I ready. I know I my karaoke song. I've done it. It's, the, it's the, the bit that I do. It's just part of my habit. My <laughs> okay, love it. Are you a karaoke girl, Jennifer? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a fan of karaoke. I, I sing a lot. Like I used to sing in choirs and things like that. Oh, but okay. I've never really done karaoke. And now I'm like, I'm feeling panicked about this. And <laughs> I don't know, maybe it has to be like a 90s song. Like maybe something by like Christina Aguilera. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's going to give a little sexy too, Jennifer. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is impressive. Christina's got a... Yeah, she can either do a back. Well, I'm not saying it would be good, but she can be a a little bit of anything. Yeah, (laughs) that's it, Jennifer. We're going to karaoke night next time I see you. Uh, Okay, you're all invited. I've actually never karaoke. Oh, Diana, you're you're missing out. It's a big part of life. Karaoke. (laughs) It sounds like we all have a date. Okay, we all have a date. Yeah. I have one more question. Really fun. Your favorite pandemic purchase. There were people out here. Um, the Amazon guy was at their house all the time. UPS, FedEx. What did you purchase and what was your favorite purchase during the pandemic? Whether or not you needed um, it. I don't know. Mine is no actually, you, you can see it. People listening cannot see it, but you see these paintings on my wall. Yes, Ooh. they're beautiful. So these are um, paintings on like wood panels that mm-hmm. a friend of mine did and you can sort of see they're they're like these round blue um, different size paintings that look like constellations, and she mm-hmm. made them with chopsticks. Like that was what she wow. used to make to do the paint. So um, she actually delivered them to my house, and it was totally like it was somewhat impulsive because I was like, I need art, and I knew that she was an artist, and I was like, you do art that I like. So it was just <laughs> was like very quick, and I picked out ones that she had just like ready to sell and it was it just felt so simple to to choose these paintings and they they fit so well into my space and so they feel very uh aligned nice they are beautiful they are yeah what about you abby oh man (laughs) i had a little bit of a crisis when you asked for that because i feel like i have like pandemic shopping amnesia where i'm like i don't even know i don't even remember Because I have three little boys, and so I feel like I'm always ordering a random assortment of things. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you the thing that I ordered most recently that I'm stoked about, and it still revolves around herbs, but I ordered myself an electric tea kettle. I have lived my whole life without an electric one. Don't know where I've been. So that has just been a game changer for me in terms of how I I sit here in my office. I grab a book, make some tea. Life's good. Nice. I love that. Look at that. You can just, you're going to get to sit back, grab your tea and have a listen when you have, and when you listen to this podcast. Exactly. (laughs) So before we go, we just want to make sure we tell everyone where they can find you guys. I know you went over it a bit, Jennifer, but if we could just go over it again. So yeah. Sure. So you can find us on Instagram at root and nourish book. Um, and each of us have our own handles as well. I'm at Jennifer Cordilla and Abby is at the butter half underscore. Um, and yeah, that's the primary way where you could reach out to us. You can get all of our contact information there, our emails, our websites, um, and get to see some fun pictures while you're, while you're at it. Awesome. And everybody get the book, just get the book. It is good. Yeah. Um, all right, Anisha, have we given some thought to how we're going to end the show? Yeah. So we're still telling people to stay safe. Okay. I mean, stay safe is a thing. We still want people to wash their hands. That's still important. That doesn't, that never goes away. Yes. And I did hear recently that I was think I was listening to Jon Stewart uh, talk to the other, another late night host. He mm-hmm. was, he was on the couch and he said that that was actually what they told people in 1918, wear a mask and wash your hands just in case you thought really had evolved. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wear a mask and wash your hands. Like why did we stop washing our hands in 1918? They told us to wash our hands and we stopped anyway. Okay. <laughs> we can we can do that but so i'm not sure if we're telling people to wear masks because i saw in the paper that new york was like officially open and they're like we don't have to wear masks but i would say for people to make the best decision for them if wearing a mask makes you feel safe then continue to wear it um and you know do what makes you feel comfortable and safe maybe okay so be safe be safe please wash your hands. hands
And if you're asked to wear a mask, wear it. There it goes. If you're asked, asked to wear a some mask, some people are still not comfortable please, with that. Please be polite. Yes. There it is. How about okay. how about wash your vegetables too? Wash your vegetables. Ooh, that's oh, that's wash, your, wash vegetables. your vegetables. All right. <laughs> and don't forget to wash your vegetables. Okay, well, we're gonna stop here and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.